1: Welcome to Your Cards Cast, the weekly podcast card Twitter. I'm senior writer Michael McCammon, joined by publisher Jody Damley. Plenty to get to this week. We're going to talk football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, which is right around the uh, But we're going to start with football. This used to be a huge day on, on the football calendar. The first week of February it was National Sign Day. Obviously, there's two of those now, and most kids do sign uh, in December, but still a pretty notable date on the calendar. Jody.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at uh, um, signing day, there's a lot of action going on all over the country tomorrow. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know which way you want to look at it. Uh, I'll say for Louisville and the staff, fortunately, you don't have anything going on tomorrow and that there's nothing happening on signing day. I mean, literally not one thing that uh, that I expect that will happen on signing day and because of that because that is because michael they they got it they did it all during uh uh the first part I mean when you sign twenty one you get eleven to enroll early you add three grad transfers all three of those are on campus fourteen on campus newcomers on campus now you don't have to do a whole lot during this signing period and and that's a that's a good thing for uh for them and I know they're excited about it i know they're excited the guys they've got in on campus and uh you know it's just it's 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 a weird recruiting year and if you could get it all done and get it over with from now or now um i think that's the good thing
1: yeah yeah and i think it's you know i'm curious to see how football recruiting continues to you know transform itself over the next couple years you know by getting all these kids early and getting them to sign on the 20th or in december i should say uh, they were able to put more attention, you know, on the transfer market. As you alluded to there, they brought in three, uh, you know, kids uh, since signing day that are going to be transferring a pair from Georgia tech from in shy Wirtz and, and Kendrick Duncan. And, and obviously we're all familiar with offensive lineman, Brian Hudson, an in-state product. So um, you know, I think they did great things, you know, since they signed the 21 kids in December, added three more, you know, quality guys that are experienced and come in and compete right away. And, And now really start looking forward to uh, spring football, which is, you know, literally right around the corner.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah. But and by literally, you mean next week. (laughs) Yeah, I expect (laughs) literally and and, and, and we'll get we'll get into that here in just a minute. But I do expect that they will um, that that will hear something this week that spring football will begin next week. So they got to have that that's that. uh, offensive position uh, you know sewn up and and, and, and get it and get somebody in here uh for that job but as far as recruiting goes it's just nice you you're, you're right i don't know what this time three years from right now what recruiting is going to look like i mean there are some out there that think why even have two recruiting periods because it's really kind of i i don't know what they want When they did an early period, but it's kind of morphed into um, that early period being where everybody uses that early period um, to to get majority of their guys. And it's going to continue that way. And it's going to be weird adding in the transfer portal now, because I think you'll see more and more guys after this year jump into the portal earlier than what they did last year. You know you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys that are in the portal right now uh, that, that don't have a lot of good options because there's schools that like Louisville and a bunch of schools out there that don't have any spots left until August. So, um, okay. Let to, to wrap it up a little bit. I, I love the class that they've got right now. And, 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 and again, That's talking about 14 guys being on campus, Michael. And from what I heard, and I'll do a post at some point um, uh, later this afternoon, but from what I've heard so far, um, uh, Braylon Oliver's been really good. Uh, Ben Perry's been really good in the workouts. Michael Gonzalez has shown that he is a guy that could uh, vie for some early Uh, playing time, a very smart and uh, intelligent guy that's uh, that's working hard. Travion Cooley has been has been solid. Uh, I was told Amari Huggins-Bruce is faster than the staff might have thought that he was. Remember, they didn't get to go see a lot of these guys in person. Amari Huggins-Bruce is faster than they than they thought he was. And Demetrius Cannon is probably a little better than they thought that, that he was uh out of all this and not to not to you know not name other guys uh and, and I'm not just leaving guys out but uh but I you know I ask about a few to different people and everybody said the same thing that I've been told that Ashton Gillette has been the most impressive uh newcomer among the freshmen guys, among the fourteen or the eleven freshmen. Uh, that Ashton has been the most impressive guy. And it's because, and obviously they're not doing a ton of football. They're not doing football stuff right now. I mean, a ton. Of, I mean, they're doing workouts and they're doing, you know, running and different lifting and different things like that. But his motor and the way he has done things um, looks like that it is translated so far uh, to him having a very good chance uh, to play and to not only play early, but to play right away.
1: Yeah, you know, and you kind of saw glimpses of that, you know, throughout the, not only his season, but once the his team got into the the postseason, how he was able to impact and really impact on both sides of the ball. I mean, it, just a kid with you know amazing burst and speed. So it'll be interesting to see though how that does translate once the pads do come on and you know he starts working with with the veterans and you know against the veterans and things like that once spring practice uh gets going here in a in you know in a week or so um you know so but still promising you know things to hear out of, out of their individual works i have seen you know there's been obviously it's limited that you're at what you're able to see uh what the school's been producing on social media but from the things that you're seeing you know really impressive workouts you know you you love to see the team approach attitude that the that the groups you know seem to be portraying at least that we're seeing you know through these social media efforts so i'm really looking forward to, to spring ball but to, yeah to get to awards, you know to, to kind of wrap up uh this recruiting class you know it, to have so many in, once again, I mean, I think the staff has done a fantastic job uh, getting so many kids to be able to make it into where they can participate in spring ball um, is it, huge. I mean, it's a massive feather in your cap. And and, and again, you know, this is a class that, that when, when you look at their per prospect rating, ranks right up there with some of the best the schools ever had. So um, th- there should be a lot of hope and you know anticipation for what this class can bring to you. And how much will that be in year one? You know. Still to be seen, but I think this is a class uh, that has the ability you know, and kind of the makeup to where they will stick together uh, throughout their, their careers at Louisville. It'll be one that, that you know holds firm for the most part. Most kids will probably hopefully, knock on wood, finish their careers at Louisville, but uh, certainly a ton of potential when you look up and down this list of 21 kids.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about it. And then you throw the three grad transfers in, and yeah. I think you know those are three guys that are going to be on the field at the very beginning of the season. I'd be very shocked if Brian Hudson and uh, uh, Kendrick Duncan yeah. don't start. And then Shay, Shay Words, it's just a matter of where they place him, and he's going to get reps. He's going to be out there. So those three guys are going to be really good guys moving uh, moving forward. So
1: Jody, I, for, I, I think this. Real quick before we move on, and I, I'm not sure which I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think another part, you know, we were talking about how, you know, recruiting has kind of transformed. I think one thing that's unique this year, and you and I have talked about it on the phone a couple of times, is, and, and and this is a priority for Scott Satterfield and his step, is the, you know, the invited the preferred walk-on uh, program. With so many kids this year either not having a season or, you know, just three four games to their season, this is a year I think you're seeing a lot of, you know, high quality kids that would probably would have attracted you know, either, you know, bigger FBS offers or even some power five offers that are kind of getting overlooked. And I think the staff is, is doing a good job, you know, locating some of those, obviously we're aware of the quarterback, Tyler Jensen from San Diego coming in. I mean, he, he, he's got a cannon for an arm and, you know, there's another one out of Hilton Head, South Carolina, Sam Sumo, who's, you know, one of these, he's a quarterback, but it's six, six, I forget how heavy he is like two thirty, I think, um, you know, to project to play tight end or even eventually offensive line. So, you know, in addition to what they're bringing in scholarship wise and, and through the portal, I think they're doing a fantastic job as well. You know, trying to locate some of these kids that eventually could become scholarship and, and kind of impact kids out of the, the preferred walk on program.
0: Yeah, and they don't have a lot of spots of walk-ons left. You know what I mean? They don't have a ton of them this year because they took so many last year, and a lot of those guys are still are are still around. A few of those guys did leave or are are leaving, but a lot of them are still around. You've got the. You know, Azari Israel kid from Clark County who rushed for just under a thousand yards this year, uh, didn't play but six games and had 980 yards in six games, I think, this year. You know, you've yeah. got Bradley West from Trinity, the two-time uh, state tournament or state championship game MVP, who's going to play a slot wide receiver who I, I think has got a chance to down the road hit the field, as, especially in the return game. And, you know, and then you've got a guy like Nathan McRoy a quarterback. I, I just think... With those guys, the main guys that they've got, and it's about seven or eight guys in this walk-on class, uh, those guys are going to make a big difference um, down the road. And that's where you help build the depth. I mean, yes, you've got to recruit well, but you also have to fill out the spots well. And when you've got such a weird thing going on as far as, you know, the so many guys went through the portal, you know, 2 years ago the first year you know the first year that this staff was here that it's it's been hard to kind of make up for it and then you throw in the fact that literally right now if you go on and look at their website and you go and look at the 2021 roster which has been updated uh to this point and I'm actually calling it up right now because I don't think it's been what's the San Diego kids name I can't think of his name now um
1: T- Tyler Jensen
0: Jensen Jensen Tyler Jensen. yeah, yeah Jensen I don't think Jensen is on, he, it, it's been updated until Jensen enrolled. He does not have a number yet, so I don't think he's on there. Yeah, he's the only one that's not on there. So it's been updated other than that. And I think if you look at it, I think there's 54 freshmen. If you count the freshmen that are on there right now, and then the other 10 guys that will enroll in the spring that are not on this roster, you're talking about 54 Guys in the freshman class. That's a little ridiculous, but that's what the pandemic is going to do to all rosters. And so this translates me into moving forward in the class of 2022. My feeling for Louisville and what I've been hearing and kind of what I think will happen. Obviously, quarterback is is the main guy that they really need. A a quarterback and they've got to get a good one in this class and they know that. But I think for everything else, Michael, I think you lack of a better way of putting it use a baseball term. You swing for the fences. You uh, the numbers are are so low. You basically each position coach tries to find a guy that you can't pass up you, you want to that 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 you either say yeah, you know, you either say yes or hey, we're gonna stick with it and try to get you. And and it's not that uh, and it's not that you go after guys that are um you know that that you know you're not gonna get. You swing for the fences with the guys that you think you have a chance with, like the Trey Donaldson kid from down in Tallahassee. He is a uh, could be an unbelievable card position kind of guy uh, at uh, uh, one of the linebacker spots. Um, you know, he's the guy that has also been offered the spot to walk on at basketball. So Louisville's kind of in the mix there. He's a big time guy. You go after a guy, you know, like that Chris McClellan, the, the the nose tackle that we've been talking about, the defensive tackle we talked about yesterday, they offered, you know, he's got 17 offers. Normally you wouldn't really go after hard, a guy in Oklahoma, but you know what? He's one of the best players in that state. You, you, you try for him, you know, uh, I mean, you look up and down the uh, the line, the Josh Caddis kid from Moeller uh, is probably a guy that, you know, you, you're on the outside looking in, but you, you, you don't necessarily have to take a tight end in the freshman class because you've got so many in those other ones. And if some guys don't work out, if you don't get a tight end in the freshman class after you swing for the fences, guess what? You go to the transfer portal and it helps your numbers out because you get a junior or a senior next year and then it balances out the whole roster if that makes sense.
1: yeah and I think the transfer portal you know plays a couple different roles in this. I mean you've got to you know kids who would be surefire you know top level p5 scholarship I'm going to take it, go to Alabama or whatever the, the case may be well they're also competing against the transfer portal. You know, there's been a couple kids that are highly rated that Louisville's after that, that we've talked to uh, that, that know that the transfer portal is going to impact their recruiting process. And I think you're going to see some kids continue, like we did with this last class, uh, start to make these earlier decisions because they know, hey, look, you know, it's it's I'm not just competing against high school seniors for spots on yeah. these on these rosters. I'm also competing against, you know, transfer portal addition. So that could leave, you know, some of these, you know top-level, highly-rated uh, prospects, you know, to, we've, we've talked about this in podcasts in the past, stepping down to the next level of the Power Five or having to step down to, you know, outside the Power Five. You know, there's that that trickle-down uh, effect. So, you know, it, it really comes down to what, you know, not just Louisville, but what all the other schools are going to need as far as experience and depth, whether they hop in and get somebody that's a year or two or three-year experienced kid that's, that's proven himself and is now in the transfer portal Or are they going to continue to build depth at a certain spot through the high school ranks? So, you know, it's going to be an interesting balancing act. It really is.
0: And and I do think so when you look at the when you look at like the quarterback position, just to point this one out, I I think that this is a perfect example of that. Okay, the quarterback position to me right now, there are five guys. Um, Gavin Wimsett from Owensboro, I think he'll end up at Notre Dame. Taven Jackson from Center Grove, uh, Indiana. I think Louisville's got a decent chance with him. Trace Jackson Davis's brother they offered recently, and, and, and I think they'll stay in the mix. Jakuri Brown is a kid from down in Lowndes uh, High School down in, uh, uh, in, in Valdosta. He is um, a teammate. He was a teammate. Uh, of T.J. Quinn and Quinn's dad coaches, so they've got good connections there with that one. He's obviously got other offers and looking at, at other big, you know, big places as well. Uh, I think Florida's got a couple crystal balls. Kalib Johnson is a kid from Alabama that they just offered last week that I think they have a shot for. And then I think the one guy that's a little under the radar, but I know they have a connection, is the kid Tanner Bailey from Gordo, Alabama. And this is a perfect example. You have a connection, a good connection with Tanner Bailey or a good relationship with him offered a a little bit over a month ago or right at a month ago. Alabama and Auburn are both the main schools for him. But it looks like Alabama is going to pick up another kid in the next couple of weeks who's ranked a little bit higher uh, than Tanner Bailey is, who's 210 in the in the composite. Auburn's in on several other guys who are ranked a little higher. What happens if. Alabama and Auburn both take another guy who's ranked a little bit higher. Well, then Tanner Bailey is sitting there uh, with 20 offers and Louisville being one of them. And they've got a good connection. Hopefully they can work that connection while those other schools are still recruiting him. And then if they do take another one, that's that's kind of how you have to do it, in my opinion. If you're Louisville looking at trying to land one of the top quarterbacks in the country.
1: Yeah, and that that's kind of what we're you know we're discussing there, how that that trickle down effect and can really impact you know. So um, I, I like the approach, you know, the, the, let's just call it the swing for the fences approach. I mean, it, when when you've got a smaller class and you're competing against the transfer portal, and that, that's kind of something you can lean on and still know that 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 exists if if you need it. Um, why not? I mean, you're in a position to where uh, obviously sticking with the quarterback position, you, you do need a guy that's an impact guy that if needed, you know, hopefully wouldn't be needed, but if needed can come in and compete right away as a, a true freshman. Um, so, yeah, swing for the fetches and see what you can come up with.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, a um, couple other quick football notes. Uh, again, we, as we said, Louisville will begin spring ball next week. I think we'll uh, we'll start hearing some news about schedules and, and things like that. Um, I, I like it. It's, uh, it's one of those deals where – Scott Satterfield um, is uh, he wants to do it a little earlier to get all the injuries and any kind of offseason surgeries and things like that after football after spring football complete because you get you do get banged up during that time get all that complete and move on for the into the fall and remember when when this happened the first year <clears throat> there were several guys. That wouldn't have been playing early in the spring, you know, that Notre Dame game and going into uh, I think Eastern Kentucky was the second week. and remember the third week. uh, I think that might have even been Western. Maybe it was Western Kentucky down in Nashville. But remember, they would have had guys that were out had they not done this. So I love the fact that they're actually doing spring ball early and there's not going to be a spring game. I don't think there'll be a spring game anywhere this year. Um, well, I shouldn't say anywhere, but most places won't have a spring game. Um, but it's a good way for them to do it and get this, uh, and, and, and get spring ball, uh, get the most out of it. Now they need an offensive coordinator. They need an offensive line coach. Um, I, I originally was thinking that they would, they were waiting for the end of, uh, uh, they were waiting for, for signing day, uh, could still be. Um, I'm tracking a name or two today. Um, we talked about, uh, uh, Darren Hiller from Indiana. It's not going to be him. Uh, we talked about Josh Henson from, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, and it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be him either. The, the tough part is Louisville's got really good money to give to somebody. But when you, uh, but when you look out and you look at the, um, the that position um some offensive line coaches are not too far off of that you know what i mean you know what i mean so it's like if they want if a school really wants to keep them they just give them a, they just give them a raise like what happened at oregon and what happened at texas a and i think those were the two guys you know you hear a lot of names and i'm not sure that all the names that we. well no i i know for a fact that all the names that we have heard are not guys that were really considered for the job. They were just kind of names that were, that were being thrown out there. Uh, Alex Mirabal from Oregon and Josh Henson from, uh, from Texas A&M were the guys uh, that I think were the main guys. And I believe both those guys have gotten raises. So we'll see. Um, I, I, I have a name, but I want to confirm it with another source uh, before, uh, before I say anything. Um, but it's a, it's a guy who is a veteran guy who's been in the NFL quite a bit. Actually, been a head coach at the college level and in the and and, and been a an offensive line coach in the NFL. So, um, I know Satterfield with Ledford loved that um, the ability for Ledford to kind of when he had his head coaching duties. You know, I know everybody says, well, he's not really offensive coordinator. Well, yeah, he is because there's a lot of head coaching duties that happen that the offensive coordinator's got to take over a meeting or they've got to take over this or they've got to do that. They might not call the plays, but they but they do a lot of things. And uh, and so I know he wants a veteran person that he can really trust and uh, and that knows this offense. So it'll be interesting to see over the course of the next few weeks uh kind of what happens.
1: Yeah, you got to think that it's gonna be uh, it'll happen sooner rather than later with spring ball right around the corner. So like you, I'm curious to see who eventually falls in that, you know, I, you know, I've kind of dotted around on the Internet myself, you know, hey, if I'm Scott Satterfield, who would I hire? And, you know, I think there, there's a lot of great talents out there and you, you could turn to the pro ranks, you could, you know, to the you know, FBL level, you know, the power five level, the SPF level. I think there's a lot of names uh, you know, that could certainly fill that role. So curious to see how where it ends, whose lap it ends up in.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, and like I said, I'm excited to uh uh to move on. I don't coaching searches, uh assistant coaching searches are not fun because I mean look, coaches coaches don't want um coaches don't want the uh they they don't want names out there per se as much because and I'm not talking about like head coach, I'm talking about the assistants, but you know, I mean like I'm sure Josh Henson from Texas A and M was like, damn, when my name gets out there and I, you know, yeah, it might get him a raise at his school, but it also uh, he's got to answer it through recruits and all that kind of stuff. So they want to be as quiet as they possibly can about it. And uh, and and it's just it's kind of one of those seasons where it's like, okay, let's get let's get the coaching search season over. Uh, and uh, and again, I'm surprised that Louisville had three, but just because I didn't know that these opportunities, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, Clark Lee being North McKenzie's roommate in college and one of his best friends at his alma know, mater, gets the head coaching job, gets the head coaching job at his alma mater uh, at their alma mater where they uh, room together. I mean, that's kind of hard to turn down, uh, you know, and Frank Punt's going back to he, he wanted to call plays, you know, what I mean, so uh, and then Dwayne Ledford with the salary that I've heard Dwayne Ledford is going to be getting over the course of the next three to four years. Uh, yeah. I, there's no, there's no way he should have turned it down. It's like from what I've seen, and I have not seen the actual salary, but from what I've heard, uh, by the end of his contract, he is going to be doubling his pay that what he was making here at Louisville. So and, kind and of and no still, and,
1: and working with a good friend as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. And yeah. kind of no brainers, uh, really when when you when you look back at it. So uh, so a lot of that was a lot of football talk. Um. Let's let's uh we'll we'll wrap up with men's basketball. Let's uh let's throw some women's basketball in. I I wasn't shocked last night. I thought last yeah. night would be difficult. I was surprised that Dana Evans didn't get much help, but I was not surprised. Um, I was not surprised that that they had a tough time with NC State because NC State A is really good. And B, it's a tough matchup for Louisville.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're big. I mean NC State's got the bodies to, to really, you know, be physical with Louisville, and I think you saw that last night. And and really, like you, I wasn't surprised either. I mean Louisville's kind of flirted with being upset ever since you know they got that number one spot in the rankings, and they've had to you know come back and, and get some you know come back victories uh, here of late. So they they've kind of flirted with with it. Um, I, I was kind of pleased, you know, after the way the first quarter went, uh, you know. I personally thought, OK, this is going to go Louisville's way. But you could tell quickly into the second quarter, um, the NC State, you know, was going to be able to use their, their physicality, uh, kind of their size advantage, you know, and, and create some problems. And yeah, um, Dana Evans basically, you know, tried to will this team back a couple times. And but every time they made a push, you know, NC State, you know, had a response.
0: Yeah, and they did. And, and and look, this is a Louisville team that, hey, first of all, they were not going to go undefeated. It's just not going to happen. Um, nobody in that league is going undefeated because, quite honestly, while the men's side is not as good and not as deep this year, the women's side, uh, you know, is. So yeah. uh, they were not going to go undefeated. Uh, there's only one team in the country, in my opinion that can go undefeated and that is Bucknell and they're not going to go undefeated later in the season because they're uh, because they're going to be uh, probably, I would imagine they'll be in the NCAA tournament, Uh, but they're, they're seven and Oh, and they, and they only play like five more games the rest of the (laughs) season. And it's against teams that are like in the three hundreds of the, of the Ken (laughs) Palm and that kind of thing. So Louisville was not going to be that fortunate because the way the schedule has set up, I'm glad they made that game up last night. I'm glad they got to that point. Um, every all the computer metrics have them winning out the rest of the way. I think Thursday night at Boston College will be difficult because Boston College um, can score and is very, very athletic. Now, they don't defend. Louisville should win against Notre Dame. Uh, they're home against Georgia Tech, which is their toughest game left, in my opinion. Uh, that and at Syracuse, the two games. So, I mean, there's a chance that they go and they win out, um, you know, but if they don't, then uh, it's then it's not a big deal, to be quite honest. I mean, it's one of those things where you just want to get better. And I think that last night will make them better down the road because of what they saw, how they did it and the way that Dana played. And they just got to get some help for some others. And I do think. Coach Walls addressed it a little bit. I think when he watches the film, he'll see it a little bit more. I do think that they um, uh, that they were, for lack of a better way of saying it, very impatient on offense at times. I thought Kiana and Haley at times probably forced too much last night. And uh, and that's not going to help them win games.
1: Yeah. And like Jeff said, after the game, yeah, you know, this is a, a learning and Dana said it, said it as well. This was a, a learning experience. I mean, it, as, as Jeff pointed out, this was their toughest game of the year. You know, due to COVID, they had some other games, you know, get, get changed. Obviously, they didn't get the opportunity to play UConn that was on the schedule. So this was really their biggest, you know, Final Four type caliber opponent. Uh, so it should serve as a wake up call. You know, it, it's you know, outside of Dana. I mean, it's a pretty youth driven team. You know, so Dana's really the only one that's been in those type of situations consistently throughout her career. She played like she knows what it takes to win a net, obviously tying her career high with 29 points. But the others did not. You know And now, hopefully as they watch the film, have gone through the reality of, of playing a, a Final four type of program, they now know, okay, I need to slow down. I need to you know we, we need to make sure we stay within ourselves, do what the game playing does. because you know Jeff pointed out last night, there were multiple times throughout the game. It's kind of like they just forgot, you know, they're scouting, you know, and just as you as you pointed out, just kind of start doing some one on one stuff, got their balls off too early and things like that. So it should be a, a learning experience now that they again that they face somebody that could also make a run at the final four. OK, if we want to get to the final four, if we want to win a national championship, we've got to play better in these big time spotlight games.
0: Yeah. And for the men, what a great game it was on Monday. Ooh. What a great movie. I'll tell you about that yeah, I mean, and and hey, it's a tough week and I know a lot of people were down and thought, "Oh, what's going to happen this week?" and that kind of thing. Well, you know what? They they came out and they played well. And 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 what I like about this team is even when they look, Clemson was terrible. That game, that game was terrible. Clemson actually, I think defensively is really good. You can't you can't describe what the the roller coaster that they're on right now. But the the for me looking at Louisville right now, the biggest thing is even when they are not playing well offensively right now, they're really doing a good job on the de- on the defensive end. You're talking about the first team to hold Cle- uh, Duke under 70, uh, I think uh, this this year uh, or I'm sorry. No, no, it was. It was Florida State, even even then, that loss, they, they remember at the end of the game, they played pretty well there in the at the end of the game on, on defensively. Duke, they played well defensively in the second half once they switched David over there. You know, 54 50, you got to play better offensively. But then yesterday, you know, after Georgia Tech beats Florida State, then you come back and and, and you really, that game was 74 58. And I never felt like it was really that close after the first seven or eight minutes. I mean, they didn't hit a field goal uh, for a stretch of about nine and a half minutes, Georgia Tech did. So this is a big week. You know, you win that game. You should be able to take care of business tomorrow night, but it's a short turnaround. It's a tough matchup because of the zone and you're going to have to hit some shots. And then you, and then you go to Virginia on Saturday and nobody's going to expect you to win. So you just have to go and, and, and Louisville has played Virginia well, uh, since Chris has been the coach, they just don't seem to get over the hump very often. And, 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 and that's just been the, the bugaboo. So, you know, if you can somehow get out of this week two and one, then I, and I think you're sitting pretty darn good. Uh, next week, you're Pitt at Virginia Tech, then you're Syracuse at North Carolina, then you're Notre Dame at Duke, and then you're uh, off game and against Virginia. The one thing, Michael, that really, the more I think about it last week, that really ticks me off about having to make move that Clemson game and I get it it was the best thing for everybody uh Lowell didn't play well but it would have been 9 days without a game uh between Duke and uh, and Georgia Tech had they not made up that game but that takes a game at the end of the season away from potentially having Malik Williams back so if you don't, if you get him back later this month there's one fewer game one less game because you move that Clemson game, there's one less game on the schedule for him to get acclimated before uh, before the postseason. And that really stinks, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you know, that's it, it's, you know, a great point. Um, and obviously, Louisville, with their great bounce back yesterday, you know, you got this huge game from, from Samuel Williamson, really, you know, the game that everybody's been clamoring to see him do. Not necessarily expect him to get 18 boards and 20 points every night, but, I mean, he, he, he was a guy that, played within within the game system, within the game plan you know taking what the opponent gave him. Um, I like how Chris Mack you know described it afterwards he's starting to realize and hopefully it has sunk in that instead of worrying about things from beyond the arc and those kind of numbers, you know worry about what you could do from five feet 10 feet 15 feet and really that's his range that we saw him excel out yesterday number of really impressive turnaround jumpers and then when he gets going or anybody else on the team gets going, Then it certainly, as we saw, it helped open things up for David Johnson. Um, As we are seeing with game after game, opponents are really, you know, trying to body up and and beat up, you know, Carly Jones. And it's having an impact on his shooting numbers, but he still continues to fill up, you know, a stat sheet. I think what he had, you know, like eight assists yesterday, maybe six rebounds to go with his 12 points. Six rebounds, Yeah, you know, so he's a guy that's still filling up the stat sheet. And, And while the other, you know, and one thing that really stood out to me in the Georgia Tech game, I mean, this team still did not shoot the ball that well. Um, They put up some seriously nice offensive numbers. I mean, they had 20 offensive rebounds, which is just insane to think about, really. Um, But there's still offensively a lot of room to grow, Um, and I think that's what we're seeing with this team. Now, obviously, you can almost guarantee there's still going to be a roller coaster ride throughout the rest of the season. I mean, it is is the ACC even uh, down here, and it is a, a young Louisville team. But we're seeing, you know, moments of this team growing and if they can continue to get sam to, to play within that you know five to fifteen foot range um and then start to get contributions you know from from other guys and you know tip your hat to gabe i don't expect to see him do what he did yesterday uh, against georgia tech but if, if he can continue to get spurts here and there you know to spell Jalen and, and maybe put in you know a few more fouls from a bigger guy inside you know that, that's a huge plus um, you know yeah. so i like what chris mack did yesterday I think he found out a little bit more about his team, and you're starting to see you know, the team respond as well.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, again, I think um, I don't like Sam on, coming you off of him. the bench because <laughs> I, 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 I think Sam is the third best player on the team and will stay mm-hmm. that way. He's just not played that way, and it's consistency more than anything. And yeah. to me, it's consistency with effort. Um, so yeah, I, I think him coming off the bench has actually been a, a, a great move by Chris and, and I, and like I said, I was not a fan of it. I did not think that it was going to be a good thing, but, but it is. Um, and, uh, I think we'll continue to see that. I uh, I think we'll see, I don't know that we'll see more, uh, of, changes or anything like that, but I think you'll see that it'll be fluid because I do think Charles looked better yesterday and he's going to end up helping he is going to end up helping them for for sure. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um he's going to end up helping them out. Um so yeah I I'm excited for where they're at right now even with last week in there. That is two um the best game of the year I think and 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 the best a um, uh, uh, couple runs that they had and defensively against Duke. So two of the last three games, I've seen them get better and grow, and, uh, in, and I think it will continue. Now the whole thing is, let's just hope Malik gets back. And you pointed out yesterday, Michael, he was in tennis shoes for the first time um which which i think is a big step you might not think that but he's been wearing those slides i, I think you pointed somebody pointed it out to me yeah. anyway yeah. you he, he's been wearing those slides to games uh, the, the, the the like the sandal shoes um i i know it's it, it's more of a week to week situation than it is day to day and i know we've heard you know chris say that and, and others say that i i think next week we'll I don't know that we'll know this, but I would imagine next week he will probably get to do a little bit more and and that will be kind of the key week. And I'm not saying he's coming back next week. I mean, like he'll be able to do more physical activity next week um, at some point in the next week. Um, and And I think that's when we probably, the staff will probably go, okay, maybe we can get him back by the end of the month. Or that was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a hopeful wish. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen. So, so we'll, and, and we'll see, I, I think, and I don't mean that I'm not saying that I think I'm saying that they could think that Um, my personal opinion is, I think he'll be back by the end of the month. Um, And I think there's, if there's any way possible, he's going to play a few games uh, before the tournament.
1: Yeah, obviously the sooner, the better, you know, and seeing Malik out there, you know, during pregame, you know, you know, with the music bopping in the KFC Yum Center, and he's kind of, you know, jumping around and getting into the, you know, the scene a little bit. I mean, while he's not in uniform, and stuff from, from, you know, just somebody sitting in the stands looks pretty good. Obviously, has not played, you know, and that's that's a huge different, you know, task. You know, going from just jumping up and down a little bit on the sideline to, you know, running up and down the floor, and you know, and going through everything that that you need to after. You know, having you know the work done on his foot, but certainly you know, you know, moving forward and you know, yeah, again, the, the sooner the better. But to, to go back to this team, this last game, um, you kind of mentioned it. You know, to me, this was the best overall team game we've seen this year. I mean, it wasn't just Carly and David carrying or just Carly carrying it, or just David. You know, it, this was pretty much everybody that saw the floor contributed. You know, and I think we're going to continue to see charles minlan you know increase his role or become even more of an impact you can tell that he's still trying to figure out how do i fit in you know is it okay for me to you know to really kind of open up offensively um you know he's kind of new to the team so he's still trying to figure all that out as well so um you know i think you know and i asked chris this yesterday i was like you know it was such a team performance um is that something that you would you know kind of point out to the guys in the locker room or or when you get to the practice gym again like Look, guys, we, we, this is when we play as a team. This is kind of the, the thing that happened, and he kind of, you know, joked it off a little bit, saying, "Hey, this was not mm-hmm. a one shining moment thing." They need to, they know what they need to do, but still, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, again, this wasn't just two guys carrying them. Everybody contributed, and I think the more that that happens, that you're going to see growing confidence. Hopefully, that's the way it should work from other guys on the team, you know, and, and better things moving forward. So, my hope is that uh, this performance against Georgia Tech is a little bit of an eye opener. For some of these guys like, OK, hey, I can't contribute, especially guys like Gabe and, and Charles getting a little bit more confidence with him and and guys, you know, doing other things as far as not just scoring, but, you know, crashing the boards and, you know, addition the ball off as well.
0: You're at a point now where you you pretty much unless they both have a bad game like they did against Clemson, which it's going to happen. But, you know, you're what you're going to get from Carleek and David and yep. you know that that Jalen Withers being a young and kind of inconsistent guy is going to give you good stats But it's gonna come in limited. It's gonna come in spurts, and that's all his stuff is in spurts. And that's the one thing that I think with Jalen, he's got to work on. Now, if Sam can give you, and he's not gonna give you twenty and eighteen every single night, but if he can give, if he can give you twelve and eight every night, if he can give you fourteen and seven, if he can give you, you know, uh, ten and uh, ten and ten, you know, something similar to those kind of stats, then I think you really. I think it's one of those. I think that that is a huge boost. Now you need someone else. Quinn has not been great since he moved into the starting lineup. Um, You know, Gabe is not going to be that kind of guy all the time, but he can give you minutes. And I don't, I don't think there's any reason why he can't give you some of those minutes like he did yesterday. I I think you've got to get it from somebody. uh, It's like Charles. Hopefully Malik comes back and can give you some, some good stuff. So um, if you continue to do that, then uh, then, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 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 buying stock in this team, I think, as as we move forward. And again, I'm not saying this team's going to win the, uh, you know, going to go to the final four, going to win the NCAA tournament. But I think that this team, um, if you can get Malik Williams back and play at any kind of contribution from him, I think this is a team that a lot of people will kind of regret forgetting about as we move down the road. I do think it's a top with Malik playing. I think this is a top 20 team uh, that, that can win a couple games in the, in the tournament. And I think at this point um, that would be, uh, that would be for everything they've been through the last couple of years and everything that there's still going on, that would be a big, big boost. So uh, it should be, look, it's going to be a lot of fun. This week's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. uh, We will have a special, Um, uh, kind of a signing day podcast. There's not a lot to talk about on signing day right now, but we'll go over some 2022 things. We'll look back at the 2021 class and uh, kind of what we expect from that. Tomorrow night, a game, a men's game, Thursday, a women's game, and then Saturday and Sunday, men and women, Uh, men on Saturday, women on Sunday. So a busy week at Cardinal Authority. We'll be back next week with our weekly podcast. This has been our weekly podcast at cardinalauthority.com the Cards cast for Michael McCammon. I'm Jody Dimling. We'll see you soon.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better